0: let's pray and we'll jump into God's word together today. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here at AFA. God, we thank you for what you're doing in people's lives and what you're going to do in this community as as we realize the power that we have through the Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that you'd open our eyes to what you have to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles today, why don't you open them up to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be there in in a, in a minute or two, but you can, you can put, your, put your finger there, put your marker there. And, and this past month, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and the way we live our lives, we can often treat the Holy Spirit like the third wheel of the Trinity, right? Like, God the Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And oh yeah, there's, there's the Holy Spirit too. You know, don't forget about him. Yeah, come on, Holy Spirit. But, but if we treat the Holy Spirit and we kind of forget about him, and you know we don't use the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we are missing out. It's a great cost to lose the Holy Spirit in our lives because the Holy Spirit does so much. He does so much. As we looked at the Holy Spirit, he's got his hands in everything. He convicts us. He shows us that what we're doing is wrong. He shows us that there is a heaven and hell. There are consequences to our actions, right? So he convicts us, and then then when we accept Christ as our Savior, he cleanses us. He makes us new, and he actually comes, and he lives inside of us, and he dwells inside of us. So everywhere we go, any place that we are, anywhere we are, any time that we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere we go. And he helps us to mature. He helps us to grow. He gives us those those fruit of the Spirit. love and joy and peace and patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control all those great things the Holy Spirit does inside of us and not only that he empowers us he fills us with his spirit Jesus said that that uh, we would do even greater things than he did on this earth I mean he healed people and raised people from the dead but yet he gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so we can see those same miracles happen today And this series is all about having a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit and how he operates in your life. And today we are going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and prayer. The Holy Spirit and prayer and how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Now, when you look at the early church, and if you've been in adult Bible study on Wednesday nights, we've been kind of going through this whole story of what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. So let me give you the quick version of what's going on between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 4. So Jesus goes into heaven, he basically leaves the, the keys of the kingdom with the disciples and says, Good luck, right? start the church, make it happen. I've trained you. You may feel unprepared, but you're you're ready for this. But I'm not leaving you alone. In fact, I'm sending someone to you who's going to help you. And uh, so just wait. Wait till you receive power from on high. So the disciples, they got together. There's about 120 of them. They were waiting in the upper room. They were praying. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, it said that all of a sudden, while they were praying, while they were all together, that they heard a sound of a mighty rushing wind. They saw fire come and rest on each other's heads. I mean, how cool would that be? Or like worrisome would that be? Like, dude, you're on fire. Uh, you know, be, so they see this, and all of a sudden, they begin speaking in languages they've never heard. They've never learned, and, and they begin speaking these languages. And the Holy Spirit filled them with power like they've never experienced. I mean, this was, this was great. This was incredible. And then all of a sudden, because all these people out listening to them, hear these languages that are their own. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and Peter stands up, and Peter starts preaching a message. I mean, the Holy Spirit gave him this boldness. This guy who denied Jesus not that long ago is now standing up in front of thousands of people sharing about Jesus. He's not ashamed anymore, and he's got these words that the Holy Spirit is giving him, and it said that 3,000 people that day came to Christ. 3,000 People came to Christ, and not only that, they were baptized in water. Like, just logistically. How do you make that happen? We, two weeks ago, we got to baptize 15 people, and that was quite the celebration. Can you imagine a service where we baptized 3,000 people? Like, it would just be like, next, next, you know. I, we'd have to go over to Wiley. We'd need a bunch of people. Like, it would be a celebration. But it said the church that day grew from 120 to 3,120 in one day because Peter got up and spoke and the Holy Spirit convicted and the Holy Spirit cleansed people and the Holy Spirit made people new and the Holy Spirit empowered people that day. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's like? But then I think an even greater miracle happened after that. And then it said that these 3,120 people got along. Like we have a hard time getting along when there's just two people in the room. Right? But it said all these believers, they got along together. It said that they they studied together. They hung out together. They ate together. They prayed together. They sold possessions and they gave to the needy among them. They praised God together. And the Lord added to their number daily. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that means on Monday people got saved. On Tuesday people got saved. On Wednesday, people came to know Jesus. On Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, every day of the week, people were coming to know Jesus. Can you imagine if that happened today? Can you imagine? So think about today. You, you go off and you take a vacation for a week, and then you, you come back to church next Sunday, and in the couple rows in front of you, you see everybody from your department at work. Everybody who works on your floor is sitting in front of you, and you're just like, well, that's weird. How did that happen? And you're just watching them. And during worship, I mean, they're, they're praising Jesus. They got their hands raised. They're, they're going all that. They're, they're responding to the altar. They're just loving Jesus. They're greeting people around them as though this is their church. And you're just scratching your head like, what changed? They, didn't, they did, definitely did not love Jesus last week, right? So you go up and you ask him like, you know, hey, hey, John, what, what's happened? You know, what changed? When did you guys start coming here? He's like, oh, I got saved on Monday. You know somebody came over and told me about jesus and, and I gave my life to him, and my life was totally changed. so I went into work on Tuesday and i I, I told Susie about it and, and so Susie got saved and so she started loving Jesus too and on Wednesday we figured well we might as well start a Bible study here at work so we started a Bible study at work on Wednesday and we invited some people and about four or five people came and they all gave their lives to Jesus and how, that was awesome and then on Thursday uh, we invited some more people, they came and we saw, man, Billy he got healed and that just like totally changed the whole, he was on crutches, he was on leave, now he has to come back to work and so we were praying for him and, and everybody got saved and then on, on Friday Friday Friday, more people came up, and just everybody was getting saved. They knew Jesus. But then on Saturday, you know, we still couldn't get Frank to come to our Bible study. So we went to him. We went to his house on Saturday, just the whole crew. And finally, he gave his life to Jesus. And now his whole family was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're here today. And it's just like, whoa, how did that happen in one week? I thought it could only happen like on Sundays and Wednesdays. But no, that's the way the early church looked, was just daily People were being added to the kingdom of God daily. People were giving their lives to Jesus. They didn't wait. They didn't wait. So the church is taken off. I mean, this is exciting. This is some exciting things happening. The Holy Spirit is moving in signs and wonders. And, and one day, Peter and John, they're walking to the temple like they had done many times. And they're walking there to do some teaching and you know get together with everybody. And they see this guy uh, who's been there a long time. They probably passed him many times. In fact, Jesus has probably passed him many times. And they knew this was his spot. This is where he hung out because he's been crippled since birth. He's been crippled for over 40 years and he hangs out there and he begs. But something today, the Holy Spirit, led Peter and John to stop and take a moment to recognize this man who was crippled who couldn't walk. And he looked at him and you know, we don't know the conversation that happened, but he was begging and asking for money, and, and Peter looks at him and says, you know what, I don't have money to give you today, but I got something better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man got up, and he walked, and, and he started praising Jesus, and, and people around took notice because they saw, man, that's, that's the guy. That's the guy who's been begging for years. Like, there's, this, is, this is not a trick. This is not, you know, a setup. This is real, like this is power. This is power. And and so it drew a crowd. Everybody was just coming like, what happened? So Peter got up and he started preaching again. Hey, 3,000 came last time, let's see what happens. So Peter starts preaching and it says that after he finished preaching that it said the church grew to 5,000 men. Well, that doesn't include women. So we can probably assume, you know, between men and women and children, I mean, the church is up to probably 10,000 by now. I mean, this thing is just taking off. And because of that, all of a sudden, the religious leaders, the ones who like to have followers, they got a little jealous. They didn't like Peter and John having all the attention. And plus, they were preaching in the name of Jesus. You know, the guy that they had just crucified the guy that they had just gotten rid of they thought they'd be done with him but now these guys are rising up and preaching in the name of Jesus and they're drawing all these people away from him probably cutting into their checkbooks a little bit right and and they didn't like that they didn't like that so what they did was they decided to go and arrest Peter and John they probably made up something phony you know you're disturbing the peace so they arrested him and they threw him into prison that night they threw him into prison it's just like, come on, come on, God. We were doing so good. We were doing so good, and now we've got people coming against us. Now we're getting thrown into prison. And so now they've got to stand trial before the same people that Jesus stood trial before, between the high priest, between Caiaphas, between Annas, and they have to stand trial. Jesus didn't get a fair trial, and they wound up crucified. So I wonder if Peter and John, they're sitting there thinking like, okay, God, is this it? Like, is this we had a good couple week stretch here. You know, we got her up to 10,000 for you, but I guess this is all we got. You know, and, and so I'm wondering, do they think, is this it? Are we gonna get that same phony trial that Jesus got? I mean, they had all seen it. They had seen what had happened. They, they had seen the power that these religious leaders uh, had over the people. And, and so I don't, I don't know what was going on in their mind, but I mean, if it were me in that situation, I'd be like, I'm scared. This this isn't good. This isn't going well. This isn't going to end well. So they started facing this persecution. So let me ask you, how would you respond? How would you respond if, you know, you're doing what God tells you to do, but then all of a sudden everything goes wrong? You get thrown into prison. You face these difficult circumstances. How how do you think the church should respond when things like that happen? Because things like that still happen today. Maybe not in America. But in other countries, there's, the church is definitely persecuted. Pastors are arrested. Things like that, that happen on a daily basis. So how do we respond to those difficult circumstances? And that's really the question I want to ask today is this. Is what do you do when you face something that's just too hard? That just feels like it's too great to bear? I mean, that's what the church is facing here. Everything's going right. They feel like they're in the presence of God. They're doing everything right. And then, boom, the religious leaders are taking down. I mean, we've got officials who are saying you can't do this anymore you can't preach the word of God anymore so what do you do when you face difficult circumstances you know graduates today what do you do when when you're faced with that question what do I do now you know I got to make these adult decisions now like what do I do what do I do when that checkbook is completely empty what do I do Uh, how, how do I pay for college how do I find that right job what do I do next what do you do parents Uh, Like Brian talked about last week, what do you do when you try to raise your child right, you pray for them every day, but then all of a sudden they just go off and do what they want? You know, they don't follow Jesus. They they don't want to show up to church anymore. They start hanging out with, with friends you don't want them hanging out with. They start doing things you don't want them to do, getting involved with drugs and alcohol or whatever it might be, and they just run away from Jesus. What do you do? What do you do when they run away? What do you do? What do you do when you get bad news from the doctor and you get a diagnosis that you can't cure? What do you do when the bank account is in the red and the bills are piling up? What do you do when you're trying to follow God's will but every door seems to slam in your face rather than to open? What do you do? So I want to look at how the church responds. I want to look at how the church responds, again, to this difficult situation. Peter and John, they're arrested. They're told not to preach the gospel anymore. Thankfully, they get out of that trial scot-free because the religious leaders can't deny that that guy was crippled and now he's healed. So God's working in them, but they warn them, don't do it again or worse punishment's going to happen. What do you do? So let's look in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and it says just kind of how the church responded here. It says this, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and all that the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, this is what the church did, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They prayed. The church prayed. I mean, they could have done a lot of stuff. I mean, they could have run they could have said, "All right, guys, let's pack up. We're moving to Galilee. We got to get out of Jerusalem. This is too much. We're going to die out here. Let's go. Let's go cross country here." Uh, they could have ran. They could have hide, uh, hidden. Right? They could have said, "All right, we're bringing the church underground. We're not meeting in the temple anymore. You know, we're we're meeting at each other's house. We're going to keep this thing quiet." They could have done that. They could have attacked. They could have said, we're going to fight the power. We're going to go back, and we're going to take political leadership in this town. We're going to shake things up. We're going to to start rioting. We're going to start rebelling. They could have done those things, but they didn't. Instead, the church came together, and what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. In the face of difficult circumstances, they prayed. Church prayer should be our first response rather than our last resort. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. See, through their response, it's evident that the Holy Spirit is at work in this church. Because again, our natural response is kind of like fight or flight. You know, which one are we going to do? Are we going to run from persecution? Are we going to fight the system? But instead, full of the Holy Spirit, their initial and their unified response was, let's pray. There wasn't arguing. There wasn't, you know, all this fear going around. It was simply... Man, we're facing some pushback. Guys, we need to pray. We need to go. It says they all lifted their voices together and they began to pray. They began to pray. You know, there's many reasons in life and many times that we should pray. In fact, the Bible tells us that we need to pray continually. That's how important prayer is. But one situation we should always pray in is when we are faced with situations that are bigger than us, that are bigger than we can handle. James 5, 13 says... Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. I mean, plain and simple. When you face these mountains, when you face these things that you're just like, this is too hard, this is too much, our first response should be prayer. Because prayer is recognizing that we serve a God who is bigger than us, a God who is bigger than our situation, a God who is bigger than our circumstances. See, prayer is not simply a coping mechanism. Prayer isn't something simply you just say to people like, oh, I'm praying for you to make them feel better. No, prayer is literally the best thing we can do because we're going to the only one who can make a difference. Prayer is powerful. Second thing that I learned from this little verse is that prayer is available anytime, place. Prayer is available anytime, any place. It didn't say that once they heard the bad news that they ran to the temple and prayed. It didn't say that once they heard the bad news that they waited uh, until Sunday and then they brought their requests to church. It didn't say that. It said that right away in the place that they were, in the time that they were, they began praying to pray. They all lifted their voices right where they were, and they started praying. Now I want you to picture that scene for a moment. It doesn't say how many were there, but maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, and they all started praying out loud. They all started crying out to God together. Think about how powerful would that be to be in a room of voices who are crying out to God because they're desperate for him. I mean, out loud. They, they weren't ashamed. They weren't worried about what their neighbor thought of them. They were just crying out, God, save us. God, protect us. God, move in us. Actually, we'll get to the content of their prayer in a little bit, but imagine just a hundred voices, a thousand voices, all crying out to God, all in desperation of God, do something. And the thing is, this wasn't unusual in that church. It wasn't unusual. The overwhelming majority of prayers recorded in Acts were group prayers. They weren't alone. They weren't silent. They were together and they were out loud. See, group prayers invite and demonstrate unity among us. They bring us together. They bring us together. But also knowing that praying out loud in a group requires some humility. It does. It requires some humility and vulnerability because it's it's you ever felt like awkward, like, oh, I think that person can hear me praying right now. Like, what am I going to do? Maybe they'll know what's going on, you know. And, and so we like to be quiet. Imagine if right now I asked everybody just to stand and just start praying as loud as you could. You know, what would happen? You'd stare at each other. Let's be honest, you know, that, that's probably what would happen. You'd wait for that one brave soul to just start leading out, and they're like, okay, you know, and then maybe a few of you would have the courage to begin doing it as well, and then the majority of you would be like, I'm going to pray loud enough so my neighbor knows that I'm praying, but not that they can understand what I'm saying, you know? And, and you'd start doing it, and then there'd be a few of you who are just like, I ain't doing that. Right? That's the way we do it. I mean, it'd turn into some social experiment, but here at the church, they didn't need. It. They were desperate. They needed God. There was no other option. And they said, God, we need you. And they started crying out. They didn't care about what the person next to them thought. They needed God. Church, are we desperate for God? Are we desperate for God? Or are we more afraid of what the person next to us thinks? How desperate for God are you today? We need to make prayer a normal part of our life. See, if your prayer life only consists of rehearsed, scheduled prayers, then you're missing out. There's nothing wrong with praying before meals or praying before bedtime or using prayers from the Bible. That's great, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. It says we need to pray, pray with all kinds of requests we, at, at all times. We need to be in prayer. Now, the neat thing, we didn't even get to the prayer yet. We didn't even get to the content of what they prayed. So just think for a moment. If you're the church you're being persecuted you're told not to preach the gospel anymore you've got the religious leaders and the leaders of your community threatening you to shut you down to imprison you maybe even death like what prayer do you pray think about that i think i'm praying lord protect me lord say lord deliver me lord get those evil corrupt people out of their positions because they don't deserve to be there anymore right those are the prayers i'm praying But let's see, what did they pray? In Acts verse 24, the second half of it, it says this. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate and together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And here's their, here's their ask. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now I want you to notice, notice the very first thing that they prayed in there. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. See, they started off their prayer with praise. They started off their prayer with praise. And and I encourage you to do the same. Always start your prayers with praise. See, it puts your circumstances and your needs and your wants into perspective. You may come with a great need, but guess what? You're coming to a bigger God. So remind yourself of that. It's almost for you more than it is for God. Yeah, like he deserves the praise and glory, but sometimes we need to be reminded of how great God is and how small our issues truly are. We, we sang that song earlier, you were faithful then, you will be faithful now. Yeah. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that. Uh, and so that's what they did. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made heaven. You made all the stars in the sky. You made this universe. You made this galaxy. They probably didn't even have a full comprehension of how great it was. We're still trying to figure it out, right? You made this earth. You made the sea, and we still haven't figured out the depths of the sea. God, you made, you made everything in them down to the molecular level, to the atomic level. God, you made every little bit and piece. And if you did that, then, man, a few religious leaders, phew, that's nothing. Mere mortals, God, you got this. You got this, and it reminded them that. So that's how we need to start our prayers. We need to start by remembering what God has done and who God is. You know, the God who defeated death itself. The grave couldn't hold them back. I mean, just just burst out in that prayer of, God, you're great. God, you made the heavens and the earth. God, God, nothing can stop you. You're greater than any other poser God in this world. You are incredible. You've got all the power. You've got all the glory. And we just remind ourselves of how great God is because then when we look at it, we remember that God can't be stopped. If death can't stop God, then neither can bitterness. Neither can unforgiveness, neither, neither can bankruptcy, neither can cancer. there's nothing too great for our God. And then look, look what they after they praised God, and, and they remembered like, man, even. King David was dealing with this same stuff. Why did the nations rage? Why did the the kings conspire against you? We're still dealing with that today, God, and we're still dealing with it today in our context, right? And, And so they're saying all these things, but then finally they get to their prayer request and they say this, God, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. God performs signs and wonders. They didn't ask God protect us. They didn't ask God save us, God deliver us. No, God help us to speak it even bolder in the face of persecution. We've got more to do. See, that's, church, that's not a humanly prayer. Like in our minds, we're praying for protection. We're praying, you know, get these people out of here. But that is a spirit-filled, spirit-inspired prayer. God give us more boldness. So I challenge you today, be led by the Spirit in your prayers. Be led by the Spirit in your prayers. See, the Holy Spirit helped them to pray. Again, normal people don't pray for boldness in that situation in the midst of persecution. Check out this verse in Romans chapter 8. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit helps us pray. The Spirit can lead us. Even when we don't know what to pray for as we should, the Spirit helps us and gives us the right things to say. So let me give you two quick areas where the Spirit helps us to pray. Number one, He helps us to pray just in our minds, in the words that that we say. Uh, You know, all of a sudden, when you're praying, and maybe you feel like, oh, I need to, I should probably pray for this person. Maybe, maybe God puts a missionary in your heart. You're like, oh, I need to pray for this missionary. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't ignore that. Begin to pray for that missionary. Maybe God puts a person on your heart. And you're praying, and all of a sudden you're just like, why am I thinking about my neighbor right now? Like, this is a weird time to do that. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit just nudging you to say, hey, pray for your neighbor. You know, pray for them. Uh, maybe there's a need that's going on right now. Or, or maybe you're praying for someone, and the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something weird, you know? And you're sitting there and you're, you're praying for them and they're like, you know, Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, all right, pray for their back pain. I'm like, what? They didn't tell me they have back pain. Like, I'm not going to do that. What, what if I'm wrong, right? You ever debated yourself? Like, no, just follow the Holy Spirit and watch what God does. I've had, uh, maybe you've experienced this too, but I've had people come up and pray for me and they're just praying for me. They didn't know what was going on in my life. But man, did they hit some areas that were just key things that were going on that I needed prayer for. It's like I didn't tell them a thing. But that was the Holy Spirit working through them. That was the Holy Spirit following their lead. And guess what? They probably were sitting there praying like, all right, God, I'm going to sound silly, but you know, I'm going to pray for this. And, and, uh, but no, it was just like, man, that's what I needed to hear. Maybe you've had somebody pray for you like that too. So I encourage you today, if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to pray for someone, to pray for something, have some faith. Step out in boldness. Step out in boldness and just, just pray for what God lays on your heart. So Holy Spirit helps us with what to pray, even though we don't know what to pray for sometimes. And the second thing he does is he helps us to pray from our spirit. He helps us to pray in that heavenly language, just like we saw the disciples uh, praying that on the day of Pentecost. And, and we see that pattern continue in the book of Acts. Every time people were filled with the Holy Spirit, we see them begin speaking in, in new tongues. It's, it's this kind of this evidence to know like, okay, the Holy Spirit did something in my life. And this is some evidence that I know that, that God's working in me. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul writes, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So God gives us these gifts. It says that the Spirit, again, He interprets these things, and it's like we get to pray the perfect will of God even though we don't have the right words. You know, some of you, you're you're seeking that gift. You just wish, man, I want to be filled with the Spirit. That's something you can pray for today. You can pray for tomorrow. It can happen any day. So I encourage you, keep seeking that. We're going to talk more about that in depth in just a couple of weeks here. But the Holy Spirit, what he does is he gives us the right words at the right time. But we'll never have those words if we never step out and we never start praying. Start praying. So I want you to check out very quickly what God does when they prayed in the face of a difficult circumstance, when they prayed together out loud, when they prayed spirit-led prayers, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Man, that's pretty neat. Worship team, would you come? They spoke the word of God boldly. It says three things that happened. Uh, actually before i get to that one thing we can see here not only not only was their prayer spirit assisted but their response was spirit empowered the response was spirit empowered like it's amazing what god did in these circumstances so there's three ways that the holy spirit empowered this response first off it says that the building shook man that'd be cool wouldn't it The building shook Uh, One commentator writes that the presence of the Holy Spirit was so wonderfully manifested that even dead walls felt the power of the Spirit of life. That matter responded to Spirit. Like that would be neat to be in a prayer service like that where the walls shook because of the presence of God filled that place. It says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, every one of them. Even the ones who were already filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they were filled again. They were filled anew. They were filled fresh. We need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to live off yesterday, but to continue to seek the Holy Spirit every single day because there's always more. And the last thing that happened was God answered their prayer and they began to speak the word of God even more boldly. They began to share more boldly than before. You know what? The Lord protected them. He did all those things. He, he, he made sure that, that they were taken care of, even in the face of persecution. But God answered their prayer and they went out. And it didn't just say that Peter and John went out and spoke more boldly. It says that all of them, the whole church, all united, got out there in their faith and they began to share about Jesus. It didn't matter that they had only known Jesus for a couple weeks or maybe a couple months. They went out and they shared the word of God. If you're saved in this place, if you've given your life to Jesus, that's the only qualification it takes to become a witness for him. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to do anything like that. You got your testimony. Go and share. Go and share what God has done in your life, what you've read in his scriptures. Man, isn't, wouldn't that be fun to attend a prayer meeting like that? Man. But the same God, same Holy Spirit who's in that prayer meeting is here today. And God can do the same thing again. But we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are you willing to make prayer a priority? Are you desperate for God? Are you desperate for him more than what the person next to you thinks? Are we willing to put aside our pride and pray that desperate prayer, even though others might hear it? Are we willing to spend time praising God and lifting him up, or do we just come to him with this, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this? Or Are we willing to spend time praising him? Are we willing to allow the spirit to lead us in our prayers? Are we willing to do that and just go out and take that step of faith of like, okay, God, this is weird, but, you know, I'm going to gonna pray for that missionary. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to pray for this need and just be led by the spirit. So today I want to I invite you to stand. Would you stand with me today? And for just a moment, I want to take some time just to... Now, here's what I don't want. I don't want to try to recreate this this prayer meeting that they had in this book of Acts by just going through the motions. But I want to ask you today, are you desperate? If you're not desperate, you can just hang back. That's fine. But I want to pray real prayers to God. I want to be, man, I want to be desperate for God. I want to be desperate for what He has. And so we're just going to take a moment... And and I'm gonna encourage you to join me in just just praying out loud, praying out loud to God. And we're gonna start by just praising him, just by lifting him up. This may feel weird to you. It may be like, ah, I don't know. But this is totally biblical. This is something that we saw the early church do and, and come together. Again, it was not out of being forced or anything like that. Don't feel like you're forced to do that today. But it was out of desperation. It was out of, God, we need you. So I'm just gonna walk you through this, but let's just start together. Would you be willing to lift up your voice loud enough that the person next to you could hear it and you'd be okay with that? Would you be willing to pray out loud and just start praising our God together? So let's just do that together. I encourage you to join in with me. Jesus, we praise you. God, there's no one like you. God, you are an incredible God. God, there is no one. There is no one who ever has been and no one who ever will be. God, you are the God who created heaven. You created earth. You created the sea and everything in them. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for who you are. There is no one like our God. Yeah, just keep going, church. Keep praising his name. Keep lifting him up. There is no one like you, God. You are glorious. God, you are beautiful. You are majestic. Lord, thank you for your love. God, you defeated death. God, you rose from the dead. You're not in that grave anymore. God, you're not on that cross anymore. God, you are lifted. You are exalted in this place today. There is no one like you. There is no one like you, God. There is no one like you, God. Jesus, we praise you we praise you. Just take a moment now and just begin to pray. God, we want more of your Holy Spirit. Begin to pray for the Holy Spirit in this place today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fall down on this place. God, we pray that you would fill all the people in this building, just like you did in that prayer meeting 2,000 years ago. God, that you would fill us to overflowing, God, that You would you would give us more than we can handle today. Jesus, we want more of you. God, we want you to make your presence known in this place. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you operate like you did, God, in the New Testament, God, that we would see people healed, that we would see people saved, God, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, every day of the week. Oh, Jesus, just continue. Pray for that, Holy Spirit. Pray that God would move. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, would you move? Jesus, would you move in this place? God, we're desperate for you. God, we're desperate for you. God, we're desperate for you. We're desperate for you. We need more of you, Jesus. We need more of you, Jesus. We need more of you, Jesus. Now, just begin to pray for boldness, just like the early church did. Begin to pray for boldness, to share your faith with your neighbor. Begin to pray for people by name that that you know who are lost, that need Jesus. Let's just lift them up to Jesus today. God, we, we pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to give us boldness. God, boldness to go out there and share, even in the face of persecution, even though it might cost us status, God, at work or in our family. God, may we pray boldly. God, we pray for family members today. God, we pray for neighbors today. God, we pray that they would come to know Jesus. We pray for coworkers today who don't know you. God, we just pray that you would move in their lives. God, God, I I pray for Steve, Lord, today. God, I pray that he would come to know you, Jesus, that that he would surrender his life to you name of Jesus, that he would just surrender everything today. Lord, we just praise your name, Lord. We we pray, God, that you would move in a great and a powerful way in Jesus' name. God, would you move? God, would you move in the next few moments? Just begin to pray whatever God puts on your heart. What's that need that you're asking God for? What miracle do you want to see? Again, just begin to speak it out loud wherever the Spirit leads, whatever the Spirit puts on your heart. Just begin to pray this morning that God would move. So maybe it's a missionary, maybe it's a person, you know, maybe it's just a a very specific need that God puts on your heart. Just in faith, begin to speak it out and declare what God has. So go ahead, just begin to pray. Jesus, Jesus, God, we need you. God, we need you. God, would you guide us what to pray for today? God, you put people on our hearts. God, that you put things in our hearts that we need to pray for. God, we pray you be with our missionaries across sees today and missionaries in our own backyard god we just pray that you would move god in a powerful way that many would know you god i pray that you would fill us god that we would be able to go out into our community that you would change our community god we pray for our schools today god the schools that need to know you that that need godly teachers and godly students god that you would change just the atmosphere of our schools here in aberdeen and our surrounding communities Lord Jesus, we pray for a move of God like we've never experienced this before. So God, bring us to our knees. God, may we pray more than just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but God, every day of the week. Jesus, make us more like you in this place. Jesus, make us more like you in this place. God, meet every need. God, heal every disease. Heal every sickness. Change us in this place. Move in your power in this place. Oh, Jesus, there's no one like you. There's no one like you. There's no one like you today. Lord, we thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you that you are the same God. Back then, the same God today. We place our lives in your hand, God. Make us desperate for you. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you change us? We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. Thank you for taking a step of faith today. I encourage you, these, these altars are open. And if you just need some time just individually to see, God, I encourage you to do it. If you say, you know what, I, I need Jesus today. I need a Savior. We're going to have a couple members of the prayer team down here. And they would love to, they're just going to be right over here by, by the flag over here. And uh, they've got, they'd love to pray with you and, and guide you through what that can look like in your life. So I encourage you. Uh, I'm going to pray, but just feel free. Come to these altars. Spend time with Jesus today, and, and, and you can be dismissed as, as you need to go. But let's just pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives today. God, change us. Be with us. God, be with the graduates today. God, that you would bless them. God, you've given them big plans and a big future. And Lord, may they live every day for you. God, be with us as we go. May you add to our number daily that we would see new faces who are in love with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit here next week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You make giants fall.